you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. <laughs> but you can be happy if you've a mind to. When uh, we have our great temple that someone will give us someday, all granite and marble and shining, parking lot for everyone. <laughs> I'm sure this will be inscribed above the door along with peace is more important than diarrhea <laughs> because surely this is one of the great statements of truth you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd and it's such a happy thing to understand that <laughs> not try to but you can be happy if you've a mind to. So let's take this past week. There were lousy weather conditions. There was slush all over the streets. And uh, you had to go out Christmas shopping. Or if you were like me, and... Uh, if you had a gale who had a craving, as many of you know, gales uh, pregnant, and she had a craving for Van Camp's pork and beans. <laughs> it's, inter it's interesting, isn't it, that the craving always has a brand name. You know, <laughs> so I had to go out in the slush. <laughs> and get uh, the little cans, you know, that you can just peel off real quickly <coughs> for the, for the cra craving leaves, you know. <laughs> All right, now let's look at some different ways that this could be done. The way we would usually do it is we would just get in the car and go. And we would be disturbed by the weather conditions, we would be slightly frightened, maybe we'd get stuck, maybe we'd be uh, run over by the road cleaner, <laughs> maybe we wouldn't be able to find it, maybe they're out of it, maybe there are a lot of pregnant women in Santa Fe. <laughs> there would be the endless questions about which line is going to move the fastest, you know, we always get involved in, and finding the parking place nearest the front door, and all the stuff, you know, we always do. The stoplights and hitting them right and watching out for low riders and, you know, all this. All right. So that's the way we usually go do something like that. But it is interesting that we can be happy if we've a mind to. And everyone here could go on such a mission and be happy if they set out to do that. Now just think about that for a moment. Now you've got to go out. The whole thing's going to take, what, 20, 30 minutes, 45, maybe an hour. And you say to yourself, I will do this happily. I have a mind to. I can drive there in peace, pick out the can, go through the line, walk back to my car, so forth, in peace. 
There isn't anyone here who couldn't do that if they set out to do it. There are two things that are necessary. One is a focus, and the other one is the proper goal. So the focus says, I wish to do this. I have a mind to. And the goal is peace. Now, if the goal is less than peace during this season in which we celebrate the birth of peace, then it can be quite chaotic. Or it can be very dramatic. It can be something that you can talk endlessly about, or it can be something that you can regret or think about if the goal is less than peace. If the goal is peace and your focus is clear, there is no question of your success because it does not depend on anything external. Now, what happens in the spiritual movement is that most people will go, not in this involved way, but they will set out and maybe they'll, they'll do a little uh, imagery before they go out. And possibly they will picture driving with, I had to drive to Albertsons, that was the closest place. All right, so you're going to drive to Albertsons and you picture, for example, uh, the traffic conditions being favorable. Possibly you picture not seeing any accidents. You put it out there about the parking place nearest the front door. Um, this causes a real problem when you see a little picture of a wheelchair there. Uh, is this the one God has provided for you? Because now it's between God and the city government. You picture walking peacefully up and down the aisle or quickly, not meeting any enemies. And uh, they haven't reorganized the store and everything. Okay. This is a somewhat typical way, but maybe not with all those ramifications, that people on a spiritual path would set out with a focus. So that focus is dependent on judgments. The judgment that it's better not to be in a line that's moving slowly uh, of cars. The judgment that it's best not to see an accident. Is it really best not to see an accident? Possibly you could be of help. Possibly you'd want to be of help. You might get out of your car. You might ruin your pants or skirt or whatever, shoes, but you might like doing that. And that might give you a warm glow for a week, ten days. You might just silently bless the car as you go by, even having seen it. Do we really want to eliminate that? Do we know that's in our be- where, where it is in our best interest to park? The only factor that's being taken into consideration about the parking place nearest the front door is speed. It's saving time. For what? What are we saving time for? Now is the only time that we can live our life. What is there to do but to be happy? What is there to do but to bless the people around us? 
The only thing that makes us tired is thinking that there's something better to do. Whenever you're tired, notice that you're doing one thing and thinking that you would rather be doing something else and you have a vague idea of what this something else is. This causes the tension, the conflict, the separation, the feeling of separation in our heart that produces the strain and the tiredness. There's nothing that you would rather be doing at any moment if you could see that God was with you and that your brother and sister walk home with you and that Christ holds your hand. Now I heard, I know that there have been many of them, but I heard our first criticism of the dispensable church. One of our, I don't know what, what should we call ourselves? We don't have members here. Uh, one of the people who attends here was in a restaurant. A man walked up and started screaming at him and said, Oh, you, you're part of that dispensable church thing. You all think you know everything. And went on. He thought the guy was joking. Turned out he wasn't joking at all. <laughs> But while he kidded the guy along, thinking he was joking, the guy, of course, got madder and madder because he wasn't, <laughs> wasn't being taken seriously. It doesn't matter, of course, what the ego believes. Of course, in Miracles points this out. It doesn't matter even if the ego believes in what it thinks of as God. The truth covers everyone. It lays a path before everyone, whether they believe in Christmas or in Christ or in God. The arms of love have left no one out, and there is nothing to believe. And so I certainly hope that we don't think we know everything, or if we do, we know that everyone knows everything. There isn't any special truth. There is no special teaching. It's all so simple and so plain. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. That's part one. And part two is you can be happy if you have a mind to. That's, there's nothing more to learn than that. The thing that gives us all the problem is thinking that it's more spiritual to be able to uh, roller skate in a buffalo herd. We make the judgment, this is the way it should go. And then when it doesn't go that way, we turn and blame our path, the path that we have chosen. And it's also unnecessary. Last time we talked about forgiveness, which has to do with the past, letting go of the past. And I suggested, for those of you who still like homework, that you... Uh, practice this past week letting go of whatever had happened in the last hour. Today we are talking about the birth of peace. I can be happy if I have a mind to. Intentionality. What do we wish in our heart? All we are doing is purifying our heart because when our heart is pure, we can do it. And the it is the peace of God. And the it is to be a blesser. 
and a healer and a singer. That's what the yet is. So we purify our heart of any other desire. The desire to gossip about other people's egos. I heard an animated discussion uh, at the co-op. And uh, I want you to know I don't only go to Albertsons. I go to the co-op, too. (laughs) I am a non-working member. (laughs) About Santa Claus. We've all heard these discussions about Santa Claus. Do you tell the child that there is a Santa Claus or do you not and so forth? This was a new view being presented here, that it is a story of Santa Claus and that you read the story of Santa Claus like you read the story of Cinderella or anything else. And the people were agreeing that this was the truth. And this is where we run into problems, thinking that any of these opinions makes any difference. It doesn't make any difference. My family, uh, we would set out sandwiches in front of the fireplaces and little glasses of milk, everything that was good for me to eat. (laughs) I can tell you, Santa Claus didn't get any junk food. Uh, And then in the morning, there would be the half-eaten sandwich. Uh, And I noticed that Santa Claus, once I noticed that Santa Claus hadn't eaten the crust either. (laughs) And then the glass was, you know, so forth. Yes, there was a sense of betrayal. Uh, I don't know when it was, first grade or something like that, when I discovered that there was no Santa Claus. But there was all the fun that preceded it. Well, I mean, where's the? It's isn't it like everything else in the world? A plus and a minus that adds up to zero. <laughs> So take your choice. It really doesn't matter. This we aren't talking about the truth of God when we discuss these issues about should we give presents or how much should we spend or how much of our income should we give to the poor. This has nothing to do with the truth of God. This has to do with our heart, perhaps, and the gentleness in our heart. And our desire to unite with other people, but that's so personal as to how we do it, how we go about it. Because we can only go about it peacefully, or else it is of no use to the other person. And the way we will go about it peacefully is a little different than anyone else. Christmas is the time not only that we expect great things of other people's beliefs, We scan the the children's books and the specials on TV to see if there's any mention of Jesus as they explain Christmas. Why do we do this? Except in an attempt to separate ourselves from other people. Does it really matter? Do you think Jesus would really care whether or not in Pac-Man land 
Jesus appears. This was a special recently. I can see you all have not been watching these children's specials. (laughs) (laughs) To want nothing is to have peace. And that's all we're doing. Is we're getting to the point where we want nothing. We want nothing of other people's beliefs. We want them to take no particular stand. We want nothing of Christmas itself. We expect nothing of the day of Christmas. We've mentioned here how most suicides take place on Christmas. This has to be because something was expected of that particular day. And whenever we expect something of anyone or anything, we have a great deal of fear about it. We have tremendous fear of what we want something from. This is inescapable. You cannot want something from God because the minute you want it, you have it. If you truly want it, it's there. There is no time lag. There is no manipulation. There is no need to get it right in order for it to come to you. It is simply there because you want it. If you want to drive to Albertson in peace, you can drive to Albertsons in peace. So there is tremendous fear of Christmas. It's got to be right. The stores have got to do it right. The newspaper stories have got to do it right. Our friends have to talk about it in the right way, and they have to, they have to react in the, in the correct way. Now, don't your parents always send you the uh, the combination uh, smokeless ashtray and tomato slicer? <laughs> I mean, they always send you that. I mean, do you really expect them to do something different this time? Either it's that or the towels that don't match the bathroom or, uh, or the cologne. And you've told them that you don't smoke. You've told them that uh, your spouse doesn't use cologne. And so they switch to the towels that don't match and whatever. Isn't that the way it's always been? To not want it to be any other way is to be able to receive this gentle act of love. It doesn't matter whether we can use the present or how much it costs. Or whether they understand our lifestyle. (laughs) And we expect the person that we're living with to somehow read our mind as to what we want. Now, if they really love us, they know what we want. Isn't this true? But we've changed our mind as to what we want about every five minutes during this whole time. But somehow they're supposed to read our mind anyway, and they're supposed to come up with the four-toast toaster. And they only bought the two-toast toaster, and this ruins Christmas Day, because somehow they're supposed to know that. We really expect this sort of mind-reading kind of thing to go on. Are they supposed to look at Christmas the same same way we do? Uh, We have no use for the Hallmark cards. We have to send out the UNICEF cards. And why didn't they know that? They bought the carny, syrupy Hallmark cards. 
and then it came to the tree. What they got was the aluminum tree. They covered it with angel's hair and they put one of those lights on the, you know, it makes it all pink or it makes it all something like that. Whereas what you want to do was you wanted to string the popcorn and the cranberries, organically grown, of course. You wanted to make the uh, ornaments out of whole wheat. <laughs> you didn't want the uh, the great big uh, blinking GE lights outside. You wanted the spiritual Feralitos. They didn't understand this. You're living with the wrong person. Get rid of them. Now you know what your New, New Year's resolution should be. You cannot continue to walk with someone who buys outdoor GE lights. But the final thing was that the music they selected was the Slim Whitman promo album. Great Christmas classics that they got from Vickers. And the only thing that you want to listen to is whale music. Now, if they don't understand that Shamu whistling Silent Night or something is far more spiritual than Slim Whitman, you can't live with such a person. So we expect these things of our our primary relationship. It may be a sister or a parent or a spouse or a close friend that we'll visit on Christmas. We'll watch them carefully to see what they believe in today. And if we have a child, well, the child's supposed to be Grateful in proportion to how much the thing cost. If you notice that. Because the thing you bought was much more expensive than what Aunt Maydell bought, and the child likes Aunt Maydell's present. Beside that, the child stops and plays with Aunt Maydell's little tr uh, train that makes a whistle that you know you can't live with, and the... And the uh, <laughs> And the child stops and plays with this instead of continuing to open presents. <laughs> Have you heard this? Well, you haven't opened that or you haven't opened that. Stop playing with that. <laughs> and then I love it, you know, Christmas afternoon. The child is moping her. Why aren't you happy? Look at all the presents you've got. The reason the child's not happy is that there's been all this attention lavished on the child. And then suddenly it's cut off. Like we cut off a electric light or something. That's why the child's not happy. It's not because they aren't grateful for the presents. It's because they don't understand why they're the center of the attention until 3 o'clock. Or maybe in your house it's 11.30. And then there is no more time this child has gotten all that it needs. Of course they feel abandoned. They didn't understand that. 
why is everything for me, and suddenly everything's now for the adults once again. And so, of course, it makes our child far more ha happy to just lie down on the floor and play with the toy that it wants to play with than it does to insist on opening this package or insist on certain attitudes or being shocked by certain reactions that the child has. We can forget all that. And here's an assignment whereby we can forget it. Because <laughs> you need something else to do in this Christmas season. <laughs> I don't think it can be done here. Uh, but you might could uh, get a sense of it. In the past, on a number of occasions, we have talked about the importance of symbols, that what we do with our body and do with our life and do with our clothes and our food and so forth are symbols that speak to our heart as to what we believe is important. And one way to purify the heart is to begin a deliberate use of symbols, to notice the symbols that are important to you, and then to use the ones that are important to you to show your mind how important all this is. And so I'd like to introduce a new symbol. You don't have to use this one, but I would suggest that you do, unless you know that you have another one that is better for you. We talked last time about forgiving what had taken place in the last hour. Now, before peace can be born in our heart, this has to be done. We have to release the past. We have to forget everything that we expected Christmas to be in order to look at it for the first time and to enjoy it and relax in it. And so here's what I'd like to suggest that you do. And I'd like to ask you to try this a little bit right now. <coughs> One of the symbols that we have in this earth is the emptying of a glass or a pitcher of water or of any number of things. This emptying out. And I'd like to give you a symbol that you can use whereby you will empty yourself of everything that you're afraid of, everything that you regret, everything that didn't go right, all the pains of your body, all this minutia, this web that we get entangled in all the time. Somehow you wish to empty all of this from you. And so I would like to add this symbol to the releasing. Now, the releasing this coming week doesn't necessarily have to be for an hour, but for the past hour, but for whenever you notice that you've gotten caught up again in things that aren't important. There's no peace, there's no joy anymore, there's no rest, your heart's not singing. Then let me suggest that you take a moment to do this. This is specially designed for the bathroom, in case you are embarrassed not, you know, you can't do it. You sit on the edge of your seat. So you sit forward just a little bit. Now, this can be done also in a chair, on a couch, or kitchen stool, or any place. It doesn't matter. Piano bench, it doesn't matter. Uh, so let me suggest that you do this. 
Now, you won't be able to do this completely, but I want you to sit forward just a little bit. You're sitting upright, just towards the edge of your chair a little bit. And now, as if you are a pitcher of guck. Oh, as my boy says, gradu. You're a picture of gradu. All right, now what you want to do is completely relax your arms, relax your body, and then allow your body to simply lean forward. Now, you won't be able to lean completely forward here unless you want a mark on your forehead. Uh, but just lean forward a little bit in relaxation. As far as you can, just allow yourself to go forward as far as you can. And think of yourself as a pitcher that is emptying out everything in you that is not important, that is not the birth of peace, that is your old, old individuality. Just feel it pouring all out of you. With your eyes still closed, sit up, and from above, see the pure light of God filling you up, pouring gently in you, filling you with warmth and relaxation and happiness. So you have not a care in the world. Okay, that is a universal symbol. That symbol is done by people all over the world, not necessarily on the edge of a toilet seat, you understand, but that's a comfortable way for us to do it since our bodies aren't used to doing it the way that people in other countries do. You just lean forward, you let it all go, and you fill yourself up with the true spirit of Christ, the simplicity of truth, with sparkling happiness, with a deep, deep, deep relaxation. Because you can be happy if you have a mind to. We often think of parties, which there are so many of this time of year, as time off from our purpose. It's a good thing to see what the ego is up to. This is not a judgment, but each occasion has a purpose. And many of you feel very good after you've been here on Sunday morning. The purpose of this meeting is very, very pure, and we tried to keep it very, very simple. You know what the purpose of this is when you come here, and you know that the people around you share this purpose. And that's why you feel better and more relaxed. That's why you have hope, because it is so simple. And here are all these people who, just like you, know how simple it can be. And they're there to help you, at least with their encouragement, at least with their presence. But other occasions have other purposes, and it's all right to see what the ego's purpose is. 
And parties oftentimes have the purpose of the enjoyment of the body, period. It also can have the purpose of displaying our particular personality or dress or occupation or whatever. And, of course, you will have a mixture of purposes because there will be a... Uh, I'm trying to pick a profession out. Uh, offend anybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, it will, they will have a... Um, Cyclopedia salesman. <laughs> and he will see the purpose, you see, as to go around selling everyone a cyclopedia before the party's over. So there, there's a mixture of purposes, of course. And you can see that, and you can see that it doesn't matter, it's all very innocent, that the ego always has a purpose. It has a purpose for a Christmas tree, and it has a purpose for presents. It has a purpose for getting the family together. It has a purpose for getting mad at the family one more time. It's all right to look at the purpose. Seeing the purpose is like pausing before you drive to Albertsons. You see the weather conditions. You know what you're going to have to go through. You know it's going to be a madhouse there that's going to be jammed and so forth. And so, of course, you use your mental imagery that pertains to only one purpose, and that's peace. And just as you realize that you can, it is actually possible to drive to the store in bad weather conditions happily, to shop happily, and to come back happily. Just as that is true, it is true. To, it is possible to go to a party or to be with the family members or to be alone and to have no place to go. It's possible to do any of those things in peace. If you've a mind to. So do not let the fact that other occasions are time off from a purpose make it time off for your purpose. Because your purpose will allow you to be happy. And that is the only purpose of your purpose. Is to make you happy. So, of course, you don't want to abandon your purpose because you open yourself up immediately to whatever's going on out there and all these swirlings of purposes, little petty purposes. And you can get caught up in first one and then another and then another. And suddenly life doesn't have any meaning. This is why people commit suicide on Christmas Day. What is the point of it all, they say? <clears throat> Because their life, it seems to them, has just been a series of these petty purposes that they've gotten caught up in. One moment was the job, getting the right job. And then it was the body. And then it was the spouse. And then it was the child. And all the little teeny ones in between, the ones that eat up the day, the parking place one, and the not getting mud on our clothes one. And not paying too much money for the item one. All that. This is what takes Christ out of Christmas, not, not the X. So we take no time.
time off from our purpose as we go about this season. And we set a very gentle goal, and that is peace between us and everything. Peace between us and our plants. Do you have peace between you and your plants at home? Let me ask you to close your eyes, and let's, let's just think about this. I'm going to mention some things. It is possible for you to have peace. If it's possible for you to have peace between you and the slush driving to Albertsons, and you and the crowd, and you and the fact that the prices have been raised for Christmas season, then, of course, it's possible for you to have peace between you and everything. So let me mention a few things. And just see if there's peace between you and your plants. Everyone here probably has a plant or several plants in their house. Is there peace between you and your pets? Are your neighbor's pets? Is there peace between you and your child? Is there peace between you and your body? Or is there a war still with some part of it? An ongoing diatribe against some part of it. It wasn't made right. Is there peace between you and your car? Between you and your gynecologist? Yes, I know there's a gynecologist here in town who uses potholders. This is actual fact. Still possible to be at peace. <laughs> Between you and your dentist. All right, get serious. <laughs> it is possible to have peace between you and every single thing on this earth. Between you and your sidewalk. Between you and the roots of the tree that is lifting your sidewalk unceremoniously and you're tripping over it. <laughs> It is possible to have peace between you and every single thing because it's all the same, this little dream. One aspect of a dream is no more important than another. It's no better or worse. It cannot hurt you. There is nothing to form a judgment about or have an opinion about or take as important. It's all for caring. It's all for loving. It's all for patting and hugging and whistling to and laughing at. This can be a garden of little harmless things that you look at. You know they have no lasting value. You know they spring up and they go away. But you can enjoy them. So first, you empty out your heart and then you fill it with peace on this occasion of peace. And you set about having peace between you and everything around you, between you and your eyeglasses, between you and your hair, between you and your old winter coat. Do you see how that's possible?
Everything can be a friend because it's so gentle, so innocent, and so unimportant in comparison to your destiny. Okay. However, I know that you have a job that's eating you up, that's killing you. However, I know that you have a relationship that you don't know how to get out of. However, I know that there's things this thing that's going on in your body and it goes on and on and there doesn't seem to be anything you can do about it. And I know the car always breaks down and that you just don't have enough money this time of year when you need to use it most. I know that there are these interminable things that go on and on and on and seem to just grind you down. Of course you can go to, to Albertsons in peace. That's only 20 minutes. But what about this relationship? It's eating you up. What about this job? It's all this backbiting in the office. You don't feel fulfilled. It's not using your talents. What about this unhealed relationship between you and your parents? Surfaces every year, about this time. Now all these regrets. Why couldn't we have been close? The answer is very simple. If you will take it in 20-minute segments, like going to Albertsons, if you will take it right now, if you will not try to solve the whole thing at once and magically, if you will not wish for a dramatic and quick resolution of the problem, if you will realize that it, of course, makes no difference because it is all part of this dream, and some things seem to favor you and some things don't. And you will never change that. Because your ego, ego is like everyone else's. It is a package of judgments. And th some things favor the judgments and some things don't favor them. And how can you possibly stop that? By having no judgments, you will not care whether something personally favors you or seems to afflict you. And so it's the relinquishment of the ego that allows this earth, this very earth, to become a place of rest and your life to become a pleasure. <clears throat> and so the other carny, age-old truth, take it one day at a time. But I can't do that. I cannot take it one day at a time. That's far too much. 20 minutes to Albertsons and back, I can do. So I'm assuming that you're like me. So you take your relationship in little chunks. Why not do that? The reason that we wouldn't want to do that and we resist doing that is, and listen to this carefully, you do not want to solve this problem. And if you will look in your heart, you will see that that is a fact. That every time the problem gets to be just about solved, you do something to keep it on track. 
Now, the you I'm talking to is simply the ego. There is a part of your mind that does not want the problem solved. And it's the one that suggests that there should be some dramatic solution, that you should have some perfect celestial meditation and there should be a zapping around and electrical charges and everything. And of course, this never happens. Or it seems to happen one minute and not the next. Don't be afraid to use your intelligence. One of the th reasons, one of the things that happens to people when they get off a spiritual path and they say, I have had it with spiritual paths, and they get back on whatever the other path is, one of the first things that happens is they start using their own intelligence and it's such a relief. <laughs> they start being sensible and looking at things honestly and just taking care of them instead of sitting in some weird position and <laughs> reading some book that hasn't been in print for 50 years. Because <laughs> that's where all the great truth is, you know. <laughs> Don't be afraid to use your intelligence. Don't be afraid to use your common sense. This has nothing to do with the past. You just look at it. Don't wish for a quick resolution. Just take it a little bit at a time. Take the relationship. You can go through any encounter with another human being for five minutes in peace. If you're a mind to. You can do that. You don't want to do that. That's the only thing that's happening. See that you want to do that. At least start saying that. In my heart, I know I want to be at peace with so-and-so. In my heart, I know I want to come to rest with this situation. Deep within me, I know that it is time now for me to not have these periodic problems with finances. <clears throat> and then look at it calmly with your intelligence. We are waking up, and the awakening begins in the center of us. It begins with what you think of as you. Now, what happens on a spiritual path is we form this other image of what we are. So when we talk about our identity as Christ, We've got this weird sort of ghost-like shimmering something or another that we think is us. And somehow we've got to connect that with us and be it. That's not where awakening comes. It comes right from the center of you. It comes in your integrity. It comes in your strength. It comes with the simple acknowledgement, I know what to do about this. Let me begin. And you do something about it. And you don't run over people, and you don't mash them down, and you don't get them out of your way, and you don't have to be rude, and you don't have to snap at everyone, because it has nothing, it has nothing to do with integrity, <clears throat> intelligence. You just very calmly and very gently begin doing what you suspect will help. You do it a little bit. Expect nothing in particular. You're just doing it now. You just set about doing it. And any relationship be can become a place of rest. Any job can become a pleasure. That doesn't mean you don't quit the job. If that seems peaceful. Or walk away from, re from the relationship if that seems to be uh, 
a good idea. But if you are still in the job and you are still in the relationship, the chances are very good that it would not be more peaceful for you to leave it or you would have already left it by now. So on this season of joy, let us remember how simple all this is. We can be happy if we have a mind to. Let us remember that we cannot wander so far that we will get lost. Let us remember that no matter how self-destructive we become, it will not matter. God will still be waiting there for you, smiling and holding out his hand. No matter how many ways you've tried to destroy yourself, no matter how far you have run, no matter how deep you have covered yourself in shadows, he will still be there, holding out his hand, smiling, and saying, Please now, let me take you home. It's a gentle path. And the only thing you need to do is to be happy with your brother and sister. Be happy, be at peace. Thanks so much for coming.